Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's the podcast. The Hello and welcome to another Britflix.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright and at Cannes this year I noticed a much increased presence taken up by companies promoting virtual reality and its potential for growth in the film business. These were most visible at the Next Pavilion, the Innovators Hub at the film market, sort of separate bit outside the building outside the main building that is the film market. Um, I also attended 3D Stereo Media's workshop called 3D Cinematic VR in the American Pavilion. Notable contributions were made by Jason Goodman from 21st Century 3D, covering storytelling and VR. Essentially, his message was, this is a brave new world for filmmakers. There's no agreed language like we're used to in traditional cinema. We're still basically trying to work out how, how how to get the best out of VR for entertainment purposes. But where you hear sound in VR is crucial to the experience. Um, so I'm guessing there's placing a lot of importance there on sound design. There was a British contribution from James Knight, Virtual Production Director at AMD Austin. He talked about the technology required to make VR a success. Um, <clears throat> he showed us pictures of huge bits of kit and stuff, so uh, we're we're not, we're not there yet in terms of consumers. But he did say the cost of headsets were falling to levels where, which will reach and grow a consumer market. It's not st- it's still not at a basis where, um, the amount of VR headsets available equate to VR game sales, which are anywhere near comparable to the sort of current state of console game sales, which are obviously in the millions and millions. Um, the event concluded with a plea to the audience to go out and discover what VR can do for film and share your discoveries. And that seems to be a very important thing. The understanding hasn't settled yet on how we make money from VR yet, just yet. So I guess it's going to be down to the pioneers to break the mould and make the commerce side of VR see some return for the venture capitalists speculating on its perceived future success. But it's certainly, from my point of view, seemed very different from um, the sort of bolting on of 3D in terms of what we see in cinema today. Uh, having wore a headset for the first time and had a go in VR, it was um, it's very different experience watching watching something in, in virtual reality. More so playing a game. And I, uh, I followed uh, James Knight's tip-off and headed to the next hub and sampled some VR gaming that proved what a wuss I had become when I sampled the Paranormal Activity VR game. My anxiety levels were so high in this haunted house, I took the headset off before I saw a ghost or apparition. I did watch others go much further than me and saw them jump and scream at what they could see, which is quite odd when you're watching a person stood in the safe environment of a conference centre stand, jumping up and down. 
and uh, Brad, Brad and Dotson of VR Works, who were hosting the demo of the game, told me that uh, viral videos of people's adverse reactions are already doing the rounds. And uh, gameplay lasts up to six hours. To be honest with you, I'd be a nervous wreck. I'm not sure what kind of uh, constitution people have who can play this, but clearly there is a demand for it. But top of the shop was a chance to sample Eric Darnell's VR short invasion. Uh, a very simple story about a bunny and two aliens and has Ethan Hawke doing the voiceover. It had its world premiere, I believe, at, early this year at Tribeca. So this must have been its European premiere at Cannes. And it was a chance to see how a storyteller from Hollywood treats the medium. For those that don't know, Eric is uh, an American animator, film director and screenwriter, most famous for co-creating the Madagascar series of films and TV shows, along with his partner Tom McGrath. Even better, I had a chance to interview Eric about the making of Invasion. And thanks to the business of Cannes, I got to speak to him on my own, as opposed to the arrangement which I thought I was going to have to do, which was uh, sit down with a fellow journalist. And uh, both of us uh, take it in turns asking him questions. So there I was with an opportunity to spend 15 minutes with Eric on my own. Sadly, only armed with my, uh, with my phone to record this conversation, which, you know... It's a good recording. Uh, you can hear clearly what's being said, but there is a lot of background noise. So, listeners, I apologise for that. But I think the quality of the content overrides the uh, the poor quality of my uh, recording equipment. So, enjoy the interview with Eric Darnell. Point of view because I've got a loud, booming voice, as I always <laughs> find whenever I go back on these recordings. <laughs> Do I really talk that loud? Yeah, I mean, a very, very basic. If I jump straight in, at a very basic level, when you, and what I should say is, as context, I've just come from the talk at the American Pavilion on where VR's going. Oh. And that was very, very technology-heavy conversation. They kept mm -hmm. saying, VR storyteller, and I was waiting for them to say, the storyteller does. <laughs> and they kept saying, we're not quite sure the language yet of VR, we're not quite sure this is, and this is, it relies on 3D rendering and stereoscopic and blah, blah, blah. So... When you sat down at the beginning of this project to conceive it, how did you, how did the storytelling process differ to usual sort of 2D, 2D cinema um, storytelling? Yeah, I mean, we formed this whole company with this idea. How do you tell stories in VR? And you're right. I mean, a lot of people are using stories and storytelling to apply to just about anything. Mm. You know, put a camera down somewhere in the savannah and you're telling a story. Or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, but, you know... My whole experience has been kind of in this traditional storytelling, three-act structure, exciting incident, and, you know, yeah, 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 all yeah. this stuff that's been around for hundreds, if not... Well, it's been around for well, thousands of years. Greeks. Yeah, the, yeah. Greeks. the <laughs> Greeks, yeah. They perfected it, and there was they, they were building off of something that had been around for a lot longer yeah, yeah, than yeah. that. And, you know, it's... But if you look at all the other time-based medium, even music to a degree, um, they're all... They all have their very unique toolkits, you know, literature and cinema and mm. theater, and yet they're all serving that bigger idea, in most cases, you know, of telling, what do you do to tell a story? How do you tell a story? So um, there are those who say that VR is like, that if you're focused on storytelling, you know, you're, you're living in the past, and, but, you know, I think I'm living in human DNA. I mean, I think this is about, a story is about yeah. what it makes, makes us human. And... Um, 
So that's where we began, and and that's where I began when I'm thinking of content. I, yeah. I, it's like, what's a great story? I, and even even this conversation about like, well, you should tell a story in VR that could only be told in VR. Um, but if we took that approach, yeah. Lord of the Rings never would have been a movie. Yeah. Um, you know. <laughs> I mean, so I think it's more about having a great story and telling it well in the medium in which you're you're working and yeah. taking advantage of the medium, perhaps bring that story to to a new light. So what were the obvious signifiers then? You thought, here's something I can do with storytelling I couldn't do before. Well, the biggest thing, I think, for us, that is typically seen as a, as a, a mistake, let's say, <laughs> in cinema or theater, yeah. um, is, you know, breaking the fourth wall. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're actually in an environment, in a VR setting mm. you know there are no walls to break yeah and so it doesn't seem unnatural for that bunny to hop out of the rocks and come over and look at you and yet it's also um, that idea in general you, you can all judge how compelling the bunny is but in general that idea is really special you know yeah, yeah, it yeah. makes VR very unique mm. the fact that the characters in that world know that you exist in their world yeah. it's not a it's not an actor looking out across the audience you know, acknowledging in essence that they are yeah, an yeah, audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is like you yeah. are there in the world. In fact, I'm sure you looked down, or I hope you did, and yeah, saw yeah, that yeah. you were a bunny. I wanted to. I wanted to pat myself. <laughs> a lot of people, the first thing they do when they look down is start moving their arms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, I was, I was sort of guarded about even how powerful that could be. But um, I've found that people really respond to that. Mm. It's magical in a way. Um, and and at the same time, it's very challenging for me because m- that kind of experience of sort of being in the world is we see a lot and we see it a lot in games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and of course, games in VR are marriage made in heaven. Oh. I can't wait to see what people are coming up with. But we're not making games, you know. We're making stories and. If you know, and stories are 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 about pacing, and they're about structure and mm. rhythm, and building to these you know very well constructed, hopefully you know, emotional crescendos, mm. and that's why we go to the movies, and that's why you know grown men are crying in the dark, you know. Indeed, <laughs> and, indeed, yeah, yeah, no. And uh, you know, so how do you how do you put the viewer in the story, and also? give them that kind of experience that you have yeah. with cinema and books and, and, and theater um, where they have these profound emotional experiences. And I think it's a challenge because the more they're focused back on themselves, the more it's like, which direction should I go? Which choice should I make? Yeah. Am I, or even worse, what do the makers of this content want me to do now? Mm. You know, which really kicks you out. So the more you're, you're focusing back on yourself and your own ego, um, you're just going to have that much less time to focus on what's happening around you and, and who are these characters and what do they want and, and how do they feel. And So it's, for me, a real balancing act. It's interesting you use the word rhythm because that was used in this 
previous the previous panel I was at, mm. and they you could this is what I was saying about how they were talking about how to do VR, but from the point of view of what the graphics do and how the computer renders it. So with them rhythm men, you can't have fast cutting, whereas you immediately go rhythm is about how I enjoy the experience. Yeah. Not not, not whether or not it seamlessly goes together. That's that's a given, as it were. What you're trying to create is a rhythm for me as a human in it. Right. Exactly. And that never came that never came up as far as and I immediately saw that in your work there. You? Oh, oh, thank you. Uh, you know. It, and a lot of people ask me, well, what is it like? You know, you've directed all these movies, and now you've given up all this control to, to do VR. And I don't think of it that way. Mm. I, it's a different job. It's like, um, well, I, I spoke to this magician, and he said, you know, one of the guidelines that we have is, like, if you want the audience to look at something, look at it. And if you want the audience to look at you, look at the audience. So, in essence, that bunny is the magician, you know? She mm. comes up and looks at you in the eye, and hardly anybody ever looks away. And then as soon as she stops and looks up into the sky, pretty much everybody looks up into the sky too. So that's just an examples of what I see my job is to inspire the viewer to make the choices that I want them to make when I want them to make those yeah, choices. No, that was a neat that was a neat trick as it were for if not the trick's a bad thing, you know, right, that, yeah. that me as the viewer, because this is all new to a lot of us, so we don't know what we're meant to do. So the the, the, the bunny comes along gives us some, some indicators right. of where's what's going and where's... Because at first, like, you're kind of going, is this a threat? Is it? And then, <laughs> and then you know, obviously, it's too cute to yeah. be a threat. But, it's getting bigger. It's yeah. <laughs> but it helps play with what you... You have something else to look at to keep is that going. Because, again, we're thinking of video games. Video games, when you're in that position, something comes along that's an ally, there's an, the immediate notion is there's something coming, which is, obviously, in this instance, it does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's very interesting, but... You know, the last thing I, I mean, it would, it would be awful if the audience was just watching the clouds roll by, which they could choose to do. Mm. So I just have to give them something more interesting than clouds, um, and try to direct their eye to it. And then we also do things like, okay, we're going to get the audience over to look at something. Now it has to be interesting. You know, it has to matter in some mm. way. Um, and so, as an example, when that hawk is coming at you the second, second time you see the hawk, yeah, yeah. Well, the you know, we, we give. The, we put that the silhouette of that hawk against a white background so they can find it very quickly. Yeah, yeah. And then we actually compose the world around it so that you know there's there's trees on one side that are darker and there's a dark uh, spaceship on the other side and pretty much every person that I watch watch the piece composes the shot that I would have composed if I was you know. Oh right, now I see doing, your game. You know, yeah, yeah. so you you kind of help the viewer and then they, they just instinctively find the shot so that's another thing that, I, that we try to do we don't always succeed we try to do um, and you know so give them I thought about it, but yeah 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 there's, there's something going on there that naturally because when, when we all go to places there are views of, of, of can that people will take photographs that right. weirdly it'll all be because someone says that's where you go to look <laughs> right, you know exactly. and then you end up you don't matter where you're from you've took that picture right you go to Google search and put in yes. like Taj Mahal and suddenly yeah. you see all these yeah. different pictures from slightly different angles um, so yeah so it, it, to me that, that I kind of see that as my job at least in terms of what we're trying to do yeah. uh, you know there are there is potential and we'll probably put this in too where if the viewer isn't looking where you need them to look the story waits until they come back. Yeah, yeah, but what yeah. I'd really like to do is to because when you which is that, that lens from video games, doesn't it? Video games. Yeah. Sort of but when that. you do that, now you're giving control of the pacing, or at least the viewers de determining the pacing of yeah. things. And 
and this is my problem with video games usually is that in terms of story is that they give you a little bit of story and now you go and you kill a bunch of things for yeah, a while yeah, and then yeah. they get, so you don't really have the, the sort of classic pacing mm. you don't have that build to that cathartic emotional payoff no no, no um, and so by by maintaining as best I can that sort of pacing and rhythm and, mm. and you know and making sure that those beats are, are landing um, and timed and comedy you know is critic timing is critical for comedy so but in the, in the writing then are you so you're conscious then of the fact that because what VR can let you do obviously the audience might not be looking at what you're meant to be looking at obviously there's there's the tricks of how you get them there but somebody could just be obstinate couldn't they well and you can't you can't <laughs> control everybody I mean I, I saw this one woman like you know the, the the spaceship flew past her this way and she went <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, so it's like, and if she did it more than once, things went by her and she looked the opposite way. Don't cross the road with that woman, I would say. <laughs> yeah, I figured, you know. How, her, how does it look on the page? You know, in terms of like, cause it just looks like a script. So it's the, so then the job becomes how you direct it then. Yeah. How you create that. The, the scenes that come up. So essentially, it would just say spaceship flies overhead. Say, I might say things like, um, I might say, script something like, I'll write first person, so that's different. I'll okay. say, you hear a sound, okay. you know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. you turn to see a, you know, so I, and then you turn so you're to writing see. in the fourth wall, aren't you, really, in a sense, yeah. <laughs> which, is, which is odd. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, it is odd. So, and then I just have to assume or, or plan for, I need to make sure to do what I need to do mm. to get the viewer to do what I've scripted, you know. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, but, but to do that, you know, I don't know the language of VR, mm. you know, we're all discovering it. So, what we did was we, in production, we just showed this to fresh eyeballs as we were in production, mm. over a thousand different sets of fresh eyeballs, yeah. and I just watched them watch the piece and see what they're doing, and look for those places where, you know, 50% of the audience is looking the wrong way, and it's like, it's not their fault, it's mine, you know, I have to go back in and figure out what do I need to do to get that number. And that problem still exists in normal cinema, doesn't it? If you're in yeah. a cinema, and you're closer... You may you may not see something exactly what you're meant to be looking at. You're just easily distracted. Yeah, yeah, uh, and it's you know, and then it's just a much more difficult problem in VR because, you know, you can you've got 180, 360 degrees. You can look anywhere. So, um, I suppose there's a cinema. Because we, we have this, we have cinema's language, don't you? So obviously, David Griffiths, Potemkin, they all these cinematic movements have said this is how we do stories visually. Right. We haven't got the VR. Guidebook yet, have we? No. We can say, yeah, the Greek classics is how drama is invented, but actually, what VR is is a drama. Because the one that before I came here, it was a kind of Mickey Mouse thing where the experience was nowhere near as interactive as what Invasion is. Huh. It was, essentially, it had a little bit of Mickey Mouse here was to look at, and then as you went around the room, people appeared and did card tricks. Oh. But it never, it wasn't a narrative. There was no, mm. there was no sense of, I'm in something. Mm -hmm. It was almost like, I've opened the door and I'm peeking in, and so nobody knows right. I'm there. They yeah. didn't, they, although it acts like they're meant to know you there, it, it felt like a very detailed video game as opposed huh. to where this invasion certainly was. I'm in it. Yeah. I definitely felt like I was. I'm in a story which was a very unusual thing. As a kid, we used to have these cinema 2000 things where the screen used to go right. over your head and you'd be on a roller coaster and that'd be the, that'd be the different thing than normal cinema. Right. This was yeah. where the first time where drama's happening in front of me and I'm suddenly like. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm glad it's working. <laughs> um, and, you know, I just think, 
there's a lot of gee whiz stuff happening right mm. now in VR. You know, it's like, hey, you know, you're on a mm. you're on a roller coaster, or hey, you're flying over the Grand Canyon, mm. or boo, there's a ghost in your face, and um, it it reminds me of like. You know the early days of 3D cinema. You know, the, like back in the 50s, more than you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, oh, it's 3D. You know, and that stuff is like interesting for a first-time viewer. Mm. But, you know, the VR viewers are, are going to quickly get more sophisticated, and yeah. they're going to want more depth, and yeah. they're going to want more meat. You know, and it's like you, you're not going to just put them, be able to put them on a roller coaster anymore, or put them on the edge of a building or on a tightrope. Uh, that's, gonna, that's what I'm saying. For yours, it's interesting to see how you've you've brought what we is a traditional storytelling as opposed to creating virtual things to make me feel tricked into believing it's real so I feel oh right it's none of that it really was like because I was watching it what's going to happen as opposed to oh there was those world moments and stuff but still it was right. where are we going with this that's great and, and that's you know that is sort of equivalent in some ways to movies you know it's like no, no, totally. about the only thing you're required to do in, in watching a movie is to anticipate what's going to happen and mm. either enjoy it when it's what you expected or be surprised and mm. charmed when it's different or whatever um, so that's the holy grail for me it's like how do you bring the, the, the emotional power of cinema to VR and you know I don't mean have people break out in tears I mean and this isn't Shakespeare you know it's no, a cartoon no, no, no. No, sure, but it sure, all sure. it's all relevant you know in yeah, terms yeah, yeah. of how do you tell stories and how you get people invested and involved and how you get them to care and um, you know we're at the end of the day you know we're not we're not a comp company that's selling VR we're a company that's selling characters mm. and worlds and you know, it's it's intellectual property. I mean, it's it's like yeah. we want people to come back to to see our work because they've fallen in love with the bunny. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Not because they're going to have a you know a thrill ride. How, how, I mean, in terms of intensity, then to create because there's a lot more to create than simply that shot, that shot, that shot. How do how do you envisage taking that? Was well, six minutes, wasn't it? That I've just watched. That's six minutes, and then getting us to ninety or even one hundred and twenty minutes of. Because from a personal point of view, that could maybe feel like that's a long ride to be yeah. that intense. I mean, the natural nature of normal cinema is that you get a rest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the things that's a proper... One film that didn't do that was, say, Revenant, where I've never felt like, physically exhausted at the end of a film before. <laughs> now, if I'd have done Revenant on a VR, then Christ, <laughs> right. I'd have felt like I'd lost weight. <laughs> it's definitely something that, you know, we have to consider, and it's one of the reasons why we're focused on doing short stuff yeah. right now. Okay. There's too much to learn, you know. In fact, it, and it just takes too long, you know, it, it, and it's expensive. So, What was what was the kind of, con from conception to where I am now, what's the time? Uh, about five months. Okay, wow, okay. So, yeah. so um... Yeah, so we're doing short form for a number of reasons. One is we can iterate quickly. Yeah. We can we can leverage off of uh, assets that we've already created and do the next piece uh, more efficiently if we're doing mm. episodic stuff. Yeah. We can react to the audience. If they like something a lot, mm. then we can do another story in that world yeah. um, and, and have them fall in love with those characters even more. Um, and... The longer form stuff is going to take a long time to create, and this industry is changing so quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we were doing some 60-minute thing, by the time we were done in 18 months, who knows? Well, all, everybody else will be on the hollow deck. We'll and be we're on going, the hollow boards. Don't you want to put on this massive brick on your face? So, 
by 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 working quickly and, and iterating, we can take what we learn and apply it really quickly to the next thing and the next thing. We can get content out in front of audiences quickly, and we can hopefully develop a, our own presence and our own brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, we're, nobody's making any money right now in VR. You know, all yeah. we want to do is be standing on a foundation of great content, or at least the best we can do. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. And it does become a viable actual industry that, that we're recognized as, you know, the people that do the best work. And, um, and then longer and longer form, I think, can happen as we become a bigger... I mean, we're, we're like less than 15 people. Okay, okay, and, right, okay. you know, we, we'll continue to grow, and then we'll be able to move more quickly, and we'll, have a, we, we'll be more confident because we'll understand the media yeah. better, and uh, we can monetize what we put out, so it's worth it. Uh, so there's all those, all those things to consider. Um, it's going to take time, I think, still. There's all this hype, probably now the expectation, you know, well, there's not much content, or it's not so mm. good, and it's going to fall off again. We're totally expecting that. And then people will regroup, and then it'll start to rise up again. That could take a year. It could take two years. Um, at, the end, at the end, it mentioned an app, then. So what's, what's the, so the app is, so is available when, or is it available now? It's available now. In fact, it's, it's the number one downloaded app on Gear VR. Okay. Beating sure. out, like... Jaunt and Verse, which are two distributors of VR content. So wow. you download their apps and you can see a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. So I, it surprised us. I think it surprised people. It surprised the headset manufacturers and the distributors that who were thinking that things like games and and journalistic experiences and mm. uh, who knows what else would would uh, be the things that were most compelling. And the yeah. fact that this simple story with you know not nearly the interactivity of a lot of the games and stuff is actually number one. Is surprised them, um, and um, surprised us too, pleasantly, <laughs> uh, and and we're we're right at the top of the Oculus store as well. Yeah. Um, I think above us is the Oculus's own mm. film film app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but they actually use us as their title card. <laughs> so, um, and Jaunt is actually buying ads against us like on on Facebook to, to try to get traffic to their site <laughs> and you go to John and we're featured wow okay <laughs> so, okay yeah. so people are loving yeah, yeah, yeah. loving the content in a way that surprised everybody so we just need to keep getting stuff out there so that yeah, we can yeah, stay yeah. alive and keep our name out there and, um, so for now short stuff It'll, I've got scripts ranging from you know five minutes to twenty right now, mm. so we'll see how things go. Do you, do you, are you able to separate the writer and the director elements from it, or is there is there also a learning element for you as a director as well as a writer? For this? Yeah, I'm learning you know everything, and um, you know I'm not the only guy with great ideas. So as the company grows, hopefully we'll be able to bring in other people with their own vision, and you know we don't necessarily have a house style. Yeah. You know we we just want to do great work and try to push the boundaries yeah. and tell stories. One last thing then, what, what do you, from, from, with this being a sort of new way to see drama, let's, let's say, let's call it that for now, what was your sort of favourite discovery that, that came out of this that maybe you weren't expecting in terms of what, what, what you got? Um, I, I think it was really the, the, the power of, the, we already talked about, the power of the characters recognising that the viewer is in their world with yeah. them. And I was skeptical, as I said, and the, the, but that 
Because you can't see that on the page, can you, when, you, when you're saying No, you just happen. don't know. And it's like, as soon as, if you've seen it once, and I don't mean this, you know, in a derogatory way, but like, you've seen it once, like, you're useless to me. Like, I can't, <laughs> you know. I'll, I'll get me coke. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you, you, need, you need, like, fresh eyes, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, to yeah. watch and see how they're doing it. Um, and, and so to watch people for the first time experience it and mm. to see how often people are just sort of kind of taken away by this bunny. There's, uh, the other thing that surprised me, I guess, is that, you know, the bunny, like, hides behind you at one point, and there was a number of people that said, like, one, one man said, you know, I, I wanted to focus on the aliens because I, want, I knew they were up to something, but the weirdest thing was, I also knew I was, like, standing in your office watching this, but I also felt the presence of the bunny behind me, even though I wasn't looking at her. And he said, it was just a really odd feeling. It just, I couldn't believe the, the weird power that it had. And, and other, another woman said, you know, I, I don't know why. I just said, like, when the bunny hid behind me, I just... Suddenly, I was like really worried about it, and you know, well, no, seriously, it was, I looked over and you could see the look of the bunnies. Oh, oh, my perception was, oh, I'm protecting you, am I? Yeah. <laughs> well, look, thank you very much for your yeah, time, right? Thank you. Pleasure and Great a brilliant and a brilliant project. Thank, thank you. you very much. And that's how the interview went down with um, Eric Darnell. Really, really informative stuff. Thank you for your time there, Eric, um, and good luck with the future projects exploring virtual reality and storytelling um there are two other podcasts um issued this week uh, all of them centered around people i met in can so check those two out and if you if you like the britflix podcast then uh, please do leave us a review in the itunes store um helps to uh, drive traffic and get me more more of an audience for this podcast if you don't already subscribe to britflix just sign up for free at itunes and you'll get the next episode right after we launch it or follow at britflix on twitter for links to the podcast to stream from the website directly thank you for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.